the ranch. Here's a cognitive secret. The brain summons past memories to evaluate what's happening in the moment in order to make sense of it. Here's a story secret. Foreshadowing, flashbacks, and subplots must instantly give readers insight into what's happening in the main storyline, even if the meaning shifts as the story unfolds. E.M. Forster says, Unless we remember, we cannot understand. Memory evolved for a very good reason. So you can find your car keys when, for the millionth time, they don't seem to be exactly where you know you left them. Memory mines the information your brain has acquired in the past for anything that might help it solve the problem you're facing in the present. So it instantly recalls the day the keys slid behind the couch cushion. Damn, not there now. The time you left them dangling from the front doorknob, not there now either. The way your teenage son tends to borrow your car while you're sleeping, aha. Thus, as with everything the brain is wired for, storing information is adaptive. It supports future decisions and judgments that cannot be known with certainty in advance. A category that sums up well, pretty much everything except death and taxes. In his book, Self Comes to Mind, neuroscientist Antonio Damasio speculates that it's thanks to the intersection of the self and memory that consciousness is able to bestow on us its ultimate gift, the ability to navigate the future in the seas of our imagination, guiding the self-craft with a safe and productive harbor Unquote. We use the past as a yardstick against which we size up the present in order to make it to tomorrow. What's more, when we do this, sometimes it's our evaluation of the past that changes in the light of what we've since learned. Memories are continually revised, along with the meaning we derive from them, so that in the future, they'll be even of even more use. In other words, memories aren't just for reminiscing. They never were. Memories are for navigating the now. And not just personal memories. Recall what we've said about stories. They are the brain's virtual reality, allowing us to benefit from the experience of hard-pressed protagonists. By the same token, we learn from watching and discussing how others, whether friends, family, or foe, struggled with the banana peel, peels that life blithely tossed in their path. We get a kick out of this because it reveals what might happen if we took a similar course of action without having to actually suffer the pratfall. As Steven Pinker points out, gossip is a favorite pastime in all human societies because knowledge is power. Sometimes this knowledge gives us power over others. And sometimes it gives us the power to make the right decision when our time comes. What this boils down to 
is that the memory of everything we've done, seen, and read affects and is affected by what we're about to do right now. To quote Tony Soprano's rather colorful lament in HBO's seminal series The Sopranos, when his consigliere Sil presses him to whack his beloved but weak-willed cousin, Tony B., quote, All due respect, you got no fucking idea what it's like to be number one. Every decision you make affects every facet of every other fucking thing. It's too much to deal with almost. Unquote. This is true of life. This is true of story. And this, just like Tony, the writer is required to deal with it. No matter how overwhelming it feels, the question is, Given that all these memories and decisions are influencing your protagonist as she struggles with her issue, how do you, as a writer, weave it all together? How do you make manifest relevant bits from the protagonist's past, the events she witnesses that sway her outlook, and the effect outside forces have on her, whether she's aware of them or not? What's more, how do you make it seamless and elegant, that is, without calling a big fat timeout to fill us in. This is where flashbacks, subplots, and foreshadowing come in, and how they come in, both literally and figuratively, is exactly what we will be exploring in this chapter. We'll learn how to weigh new information against the story question to make sure it's relevant, examine the three main ways that subplots add critical depth, explore the role of pacing and timing when it comes to flashbacks, subplots, and foreshadowing, and discuss how a little judicious foreshadowing can swoop in to save your story from becoming a grown fest. The Crow's Secret Here's a delicious paradox. A story is the shortest distance between two points, the point where the story question shifts into play and the point where it's resolved. However, the shortest distance between these two points is often a very circuitous route indeed. That is to say, the crow's the crow flies in spirals because it's not just about getting from point A to point Z. It's about being aware of everything, past, present, and future, internal and external. That affects the protagonist's struggle each step of the way. How do you capture the multi-layered experience of life on something as two-dimensional as a sheet of paper in a medium as linear as words. The same way of painting does, by tricking us. Ironically, the only way to revoke, to evoke the fullness of reality is by first zeroing in on the heart of the particular story you're telling and parsing away all the real-life distractions that don't affect it. The goal is to then weave in relevant elements of the past 
ongoing auxiliary storylines and hints of the future, whether via a subplot, flashback, or a bit of foreshadowing, so the reader sees them for what they are, necessary information, rather than what they aren't, dreaded and deadly digressions. This can be tricky, since timing is everything. Give us an otherwise crucial piece of information too soon, and you neutralize it. It becomes a digression in spite of itself. Give it too late, and it's a groaner. That's why every subplot, every flashback, must in some way affect the story question. That is, the protagonist's quest and the inner struggle it incites for her. In a way, the reader can see in the moment. Because just as your protagonist always views the present through the filter of the past, so will readers view every subplot, flashback, and bit of foreshadowing in light of the story you're telling. Subplots. How the plot thickens. A story without subplots tend to be one-dimensional, reading more like a blueprint of your protagonist's day than a revealing rendition of it. Subplots give stories depth, meaning, and resonance in myriad ways. They can give the protagonist a glimpse of how a particular course of action she's considering might play out. They can complicate the main storyline, they can provide the why behind the protagonist's actions, and in doing so, they can also neatly plug up any otherwise gaping plot holes, introduce characters who will soon play a pivotal role, and show us things that are happening concurrently. Subplots also help set the pace by giving readers a bit of necessary breathing room, allowing their cognitive subconscious to mull over just where the main storyline might be heading. Quick, quick, slow. How to measure the pace. Stated simply and eloquently by literary blogger extraordinaire Nathan Bransford, pacing is the length of time between moments of conflict. While conflict is what drives the story forward, it's often the mounting anticipation of it that as readers so engrossed they forget to breathe. Too much sustained conflict is like trying to live on a diet of nothing but ice cream sundaes. You'd get sick of them in a surprisingly short time. Trust me on this. Probably right before all that fat and sugar lulled you into a nice long nap. This is the flip side of what we were talking about in the last chapter. Once a pattern becomes utterly predictable, familiar, normal, our attention inherently wanders. It's a biological universal. Readers can only take in so much continuous conflict before they switch from finding it riveting to wondering what's on TV. The more you stick to a constant heart-pounding tempo, the quicker the story loses its oomph. Look at it this way. Imagine it's 90 degrees. That's hot, right? Now imagine it's been 90 degrees for your entire life, inside and out, everywhere. In that case, 90 degrees wouldn't be hot, it would be normal. And normal, no matter how sweaty, is dull. Remember watching the second installment of the Indiana Jones franchise at the drive-in? Toward the end, when the story disintegrated into one long, monotonous, multi-million dollar chase scene, I was so bored 
that in order to stop losing brain cells, I spent very, a very satisfying half hour cleaning out my car. The most exciting moment of the evening wasn't when Indy triumphed over the bad guys. They were already at work on the sequel, so no suspense there. It was finding my favorite pair of sunglasses buried deep in the glove box. The goal is to set the pace so each burst of intense conflict in the main storyline, each sudden sprint, each unexpected twist, is fueled by the information and insight that's been building since the previous twist. Each time the conflict peaks, you want to back off a bit to give the reader time to take it in, process it, and speculate on its implications, which is often where subplots come in.